his faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to be in John chapter 21 this morning. And uh, uh, the title of the message is, Do You Love Me? And uh, so we're really going to focus on the entire, most of the chapter this morning. We're going to focus on verses 1 through 22. Um, Really, when you read the Gospel of John, following the resurrection, John adds at the end of chapter 20, he says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That was the purpose. Every time John wrote, really when you read 1 John as well, his purpose for writing was so that you would put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. And when you read those last two verses of chapter 20, it almost seems like that's the end of the gospel. But John gives us something else in chapter 21, an epilogue, if you would, to his gospel that is not recorded in uh, anywhere else in Scripture. And really, it's something that he's being very honest and open about. And I think that a lot of us, we can really relate to chapter 21 in our relationship with the Lord. So we'll go back in verse 1 in just a few moments, but let's all stand, if you would, and we'll, we'll read verses 15. Begin reading verse 15 and read a few scriptures here just to get us an idea of where we're going with the message this morning. John 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Father, bless the word as we read it and as we attempt to preach it. God, I pray that everything that happens this morning is not done in a way that draws attention to the speaker, but it draws attention to yourself. May you help me to preach this morning the demonstration of the Spirit and power of God. In Christ's name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. The disciples had entered in Jerusalem on what we refer to as Palm Sunday. And then we have the Holy Week that is leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. You have the Feast of Unleavened Bread that goes on for the next week and also the Passover. So all the Jews were now in Jerusalem and they had come together for this very important holy feast 
unto the Lord and to celebrate the Passover. Eight days have passed. Jesus was crucified. He rose again, and as we looked at last Sunday, he appeared that first day, the first day of the week on Sunday evening. He appeared to the disciples minus Thomas. And then we find in chapter 20, one week later, Jesus again appears to the disciples, and this time Thomas is included. And now time has moved on. The, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is over. And the Jews go back to their home. And of course, for many of the disciples, that is Galilee. And Jesus had told Mary Magdalene and the others, go tell the disciples and Peter that I will meet them in Galilee. And so that's where they have gone. They've now gone back home. And they're still, even though that they now are aware that Jesus is not dead but has risen, they're still dealing with, they're still trying to understand some things. It's still difficult for them to process. And so we pick that up here in chapter 21 when Jesus, as John records, appears to the disciples the third time. And you'll notice in verse number 1 that the Bible says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed himself, meaning he manifested himself. He, was, he made it a point, Mike, to reveal himself to the disciples because he's wanting them to grow in their understanding, to grow in the Word of God and their relationship with him and what he is preparing for them to do after he ascends to the Father. And so they go back to what John refers to as the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, we also know it as the Sea of Galilee. When we, when we make our journey to Israel, one of the first places we stay is on the western coast of the Sea of Galilee in the, in the city of Tiberias. And so they have gathered together. And verses 2 and 3 mentions seven of the disciples, five of them by name. You'll see there that he mentions Simon Peter. He mentions Thomas called Didymus. Do you know what Didymus means, Sawyer and Clay? It means twin. Evidently, Thomas was a twin. Did you know that? You got something in common with a disciple, one of the apostles. You have there, you have Nathaniel is mentioned whom Jesus met in John chapter number 1. You have the sons of Zebedee, who we know as James and John. And then he just mentions there that there are two of his other disciples. He doesn't mention them by name. I don't know why he doesn't mention them by name. But I believe, because it is relative, Mark, I believe that you could put your name in that list. Greg, I believe you could put your name, and I could put my name in that list because there's no doubt there have been times in my spiritual life where I've behaved just like these disciples behave. And so in verse number 3, Simon Peter says unto them, those who are with them, he says, I go a-fishing. I go a-fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Now, why did he go fishing? 
And I've read a lot of people's thoughts on this, and the fact is we don't completely know the reason. Maybe, maybe Peter was just impulsive, and he got tired of waiting. Seems, it seems like his character, right? Peter was always one to speak up before he thought. Sometimes I'm sure he acted before he thought. And uh, maybe he was just being impulsive. And he's tired of waiting on the Lord. And he just says, hey, you know, let's go fishing. This is, this is something that he was known to do. It's something that he'd done for a living. And he just wanted to go. Or maybe, maybe they were hungry and they needed food. And so they decided to go fishing uh, just because that was their old livelihood. That's how they could put food on the table. And maybe that's why they did. I, I don't really know the reason, but I know this in verse number 3, that when they went, they caught nothing. And this is the question that I want to propose to you before we move forward. What if they had caught something? What if that night they caught a boatload of fish? What if they had been successful? John Phillips is pretty well known for his commentaries. And I was reading something about John Phillips. After John Phillips had been in the ministry for 15 years, Andrew, he grew discouraged. And he really was facing unreal expectations. And so he decided to leave the ministry and take a job with a friend. And... It was a very successful business. The salary that he received was very nice. His boss was a very close friend. The people that he worked with were very supportive and helpful. And the possibilities of, of promotion were, were interesting. And so John Phillips was content, I'm just going to do this with my life, with no intention to ever go back in the ministry. Now, it didn't mean he quit going to church. He still went to church, and he still served in the church. He had one, he had one guy in the church meet him one day, and after John had preached and he filled the pulpit, they, he told him, he says, man, he says, if I could preach like that, I don't care, I don't care if my boss owned, the, if my best friend owned the business, I wouldn't get out, of the, I wouldn't stop preaching. But he just went on. And one day, about after a year, this Christian friend took him out to lunch, and he was a retired businessman, and, and he sat down with him, and he talked to John, Mr. Phillip, Brother Phillips for quite a while, and he finally just told him, he said, John, let me tell you something, you are wasting your time. He said, I knew he was right. And about a month later, he quit his job, and he was back in the ministry doing what God had called him to do. Are you with me? Now, let me share something with you. A few years ago, I broke. I mean, literally. The stress had 
just become too much. And just before Easter, I was lying in bed one morning, and I woke up, and I had this unbelievable, uncontrollable fear and sense of being overwhelmed. And in that moment, my arms and my legs on one side of my body began to shake uncontrollably. I could not make it stop. And I'm going to tell you something. I about lost it right there because I did not know what was wrong. I did not know what was happening. It woke Christy up, freaked her out, to be honest with you. It was freaking me out. And she tried to hold me and comfort me, and I just could not stop. Well, I couldn't get into the doctor immediately, and I got away for a few days. And it just would not go away. I would stop. I'd feel like this chill would run down my spine, just overwhelming. And when I'd begin to think about things, I would just... I just, I would just start shaking. And it was hard for me to sit there in front of my boys and let them see that. And I just could not stop. I went, my doctor sent me to a neurologist. Put, did an EEG on me and the whole time I'm just, I'm just shaking. And, and really that was stressful in itself. And the more stressful it was, the more I shook. And I just... I just could not quit. And he took a video. He's asked if he could video me, and the neurologist videoed me and just watched me. And he says, I really don't know what's wrong. And he wanted to video me and show his, um, his peers and get their thoughts on it. They took a scan of my brain. They was concerned maybe I had some kind of stroke of some kind. And all that came back clear. My, my brain was there, and it was good. I saw it, okay? He said, your brain is perfect. He said, the only thing I can come up with is you've just broken to the things in your life. So I had to learn to deal with it. And I had to learn to hide it. It was just there. Well, I'm a man, right? And I'm just not going to be, I'm just not going to be one who's going to sit down. I would tell myself, get up. Get up and keep going. You're tougher than this. You're not weak. Get up and keep going. I'd try to tell myself that. And I'd still fight it. And I fought it for a long time. I thought I could really get some help with it, and I really, I I couldn't figure it out. And uh, so I ended up in Georgia. And I just had enough. I had enough. I was tired of feeling this way. 
I was tired of hiding it. I was, trying to, I was tired of trying to protect myself. Because a preacher is not supposed to act like that. Preacher is not supposed to have those problems. Preacher is supposed to have the answers. We don't always have the answers. And sometimes it's too much. Well, I, t I had to take some time. And there were some very unkind things said during that time. Very hurtful things that were said. And I couldn't be completely open about it all because it was, it was difficult. And you're also admitting weakness. And some people take that and really can harm you with that. And they do. You can say, well, that's, it shouldn't be that way. But they do. People do do that. So I, I came back here to hide. Are you with me? I came here to hide. And as far as I was concerned, I was done. I was done with ministry. I did not want to go back. I did not want to deal with people anymore. I did not want the stress of preaching. I, didn't, I was done. Done. I told my wife, she said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, God gave me the talent to build. I'm just going to do construction work. Because the truth is, I could have made a very good living doing construction work. And I got out of that because that, the Lord took my heart away from that, right? But I got this talent, and I can do these things, and I can do them pretty well, and I just figured, well, that's what I'm going to do. And I came back, and I did construction work. And the, and the truth is, my heart wasn't in it. I really didn't want to do that either. And Miss Sarah, I've asked the question to the Lord, especially when reading this text. What if I'd have succeeded? What if in that moment of weakness and I went back into construction and, I, and, and I, I was able to make lots of money and I was able to have all kinds of jobs, what if I would have succeeded? Where would I be today? But the Lord didn't let me succeed. Are you with me? He let me toil all night and caught nothing. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I see a doctor now who helps me with it. I'm just being real with you. And I've learned how to handle it for the most part, but occasionally they return. And I just have to remove myself for a little while. Because I can explain it to you, and you say, that don't even make sense. And I'll tell you, it doesn't make sense. I'll tell you every time. Why, what are you over, I'll tell Christy, she says, what's going on? And I will tell her. And she says, that doesn't sound like a big deal. And I said, it is not a big deal. But right now, it is a big deal to me. 
And I don't have the problems with it as much as I used to, but I still do. I still struggle with it. I'll be laying in bed and my, my leg will start shaking or my arm just, it just becomes too much. And I'm probably going to live with that the rest of my life. Are you with me? It's my, it's my limp. Jacob had a limp after he walked with God. It's my limp. I'm, I'm a broken individual. But BJ, what it has taught me is this. It has taught me how much I need the Lord. And I am not strong enough to do it on my own. And especially when it comes to ministry, we can't really do it on our own anyways. Are you with me? But you give it everything you have, and you want to be successful, and you want to please the Lord. And in doing so, you also want to be pleasing to other people because you want to help them. But the Lord revealed to me my weakness and how much I need Him. And I'm going to tell you something. It has dramatically improved my prayer life. I pray all the time now because all the time, Lord, do I need to do this? Do I need to say this? Do we as a church need to go this direction? Lord, this is a big responsibility. I don't want to mess it up. There's too much relying upon it. Help me. What do we need to do? What do I need to preach? What do I need to say? Should I be open? Should I hide this a little bit? Should I put myself out there? Should I not? Sometimes your failures is not because you couldn't do it. It's because of the road you would have traveled down if you, if you had succeeded. The worst thing that we can do is be successful outside the will of God. It is the worst thing that we can do. So very seasoned fishermen who did this not on a Saturday for, for recreation, they did it for a living. They're professionals. They know where the fish are. They know where to... They know where to drop the net. If it's me, I'd go fishing and come back without a bite, and you'd say, that's usual. I'm not a, I'm not a very good fisherman. I, I pretend to be a fisherman. But for these guys, this was a big deal. And they caught nothing. It wasn't the first time this had happened. Read Luke chapter 5 sometime. Jesus is there in verse number 5, and he, he's standing on the shore, and he says, Children, have you any meat? And that's the interesting word, children, because it's referring to them as, a, uh, as either a little boy or a little girl. It's, it's a neuter uh, noun. And he's, he's speaking to them figuratively as immature. He says, Children, grown men, right? Children, have you any meat? And 
I imagine it had to be hard for them to say no, but they had to say no. And Jesus instructed them. They didn't know who he was, but he instructed them in verse 6, Cast thy net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And they did so. They, they cast their net. They're about 100, year, 100, yard, 100 years. They're about 100. That's a long ways, isn't it? They're about 100 yards offshore. And they, they put the net on the right side. And about that time, man, when they start, that, that, the side of that boat would have tilted. And they grabbed those nets, and it was so full of fish. 153, that's a good fishing trip. I don't care who you are, that's a good fishing trip. 153, and there's so many, they can't pull it all, they can't pull the net of fish into the boat. And verse number 7 John recognizes this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. What does he say? He says, that's the Lord. Are you with me? That's the Lord. Aren't you glad in moments of weakness, in moments of failure, that you can see the goodness of God? And you might not even understand it all at the time, but you can look at it and you say, you know what? That was the Lord. The Lord did that. Well, everybody now recognizes it. The Bible says that Peter was naked, and he put his garment on, and he cast himself over the ship. And I'm just going to tell you, if you go fish with me and you're naked, I'm going to cast you out of the ship. I don't care if it is just guys. Some people say, well, he had his undergarments. If you're in your undergarments, I'm throwing you off the boat. He is there, and he puts on his garment, and he jumps in the water because the boat can't get there fast enough. And all he could see is the Lord, and he's swimming 100 yards to the shore because he wants to get to the Lord. That's where we got to be. Our life is shallow if the only thing that we're trying to achieve is success. It has purpose and it has value when it's about the Lord. Well, the others made their way toward shore, and they're dragging the net along the way. And Jesus asked the question. He, when they come to land, they see a fire of coals there and fish their own and bread. Now, let me say something about verse 9. There's so much here, I, I can't get to it all. But when they come to shore, they see a fire of coals. Now that word for coals is used one other time in Scripture. It's used in John 18, verse 18. It speaks of the fire of coals that Peter was warming himself with. 
the night Jesus was delivered. Do you remember when Jesus said, all of you are going to leave me, you're going to be offended at me and you're going to leave? And Peter said, not me, Lord. If everyone denies you, I will not deny you. Jesus says, yeah, you will. Before the rooster crows tonight, before the cock crows, he says, you're going to deny me three times. No, sir, I will die for you. And that same, just a short time later, he's around that fire, and they begin to question him, Aren't you, weren't you with him? No, I'm pretty sure you're with him. I can tell by your voice, you were one of his disciples. No, I don't know him. And they even proceeded further, and the Bible says that he cursed. I don't know the man. That cock crowed, and that guilt flooded Peter. And the Bible says that he looked at Jesus, and they saw one another eye to eye, and he fled out of that place, weeping with sorrow. Go tell, go tell the disciples and Peter, I'll meet them in Galilee. And here comes Peter swimming up on the shore. And Jesus is standing beside a fire of coals. Not wanting Peter to run, he's wanting Peter to come and dine with him. Are you with me? There's a lot of you who have had, have had mistakes in your life and you've made choices that you feel guilty about. There are, there are those of you who can relate to what I just shared with you. Sometimes life is just too overwhelming. It's too much. And a lot of times what we do in those moments is we run away. Yes, we're sorrowful, and yes, we feel guilt about some things in our life, and, but we run away from Jesus, and that's not the direction we need to go. We need to be running to Jesus. Here's Peter walking up to the Lord, standing by the fire, telling him to come and dine. Jesus asked the disciples, or he tells the disciples, he says, bring of the fish which you've now caught. And so Peter goes back to the he goes back to the, uh, to the shore, and it says that he grabs the net of fishes, 153, and he drug, those, he drug in the net. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Peter was a strong man, wasn't he? They, they, couldn't pull the, they couldn't pull the net up in the boat, but Peter just goes, and he grabs it, and he drags it on the shore, 153. Of, let me tell you something. I want to be in a place in my life where I can bring something to Jesus. I don't want to live my life empty spiritually. I want to bring him something. Bring of the fish that you now caught. And he tells them to come and dine. Early in John chapter 1, when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, the, uh, there's two disciples, we believe there's John and Andrew, and they go, and we know there's Andrew, we believe the other one's John, and they go, and they're following Jesus, and Jesus says, what seekest thou? They call him rabbi, they call him master, and they, they're wanting to know who he is. And Jesus says, well, come and see. And so they go, and they spend the day with him. And Andrew goes back to Peter and says, Peter, 
We have found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. Of course, Peter's not called Peter. His, name, his, his original name is Simon. He goes to Simon. Simon, we found him. And he brings Simon, and Jesus calls him Cephas, later calls him Peter, the rock. They're wanting fellowship. He's wanting fellowship with them. And that's what he wants with all of us. Are you with me? He wants all of us to come to him and have fellowship with him. Not to go through life and try to succeed on our own or try to chase our own dreams and our own agenda. He wants us to be walking in his will, his plan for our life. Are you with me? And now he goes to the individual. And he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him by his original name. He says, Simon, son of Jonas. He says, lovest thou me more than these? Now some people say he could have been talking about the fish. Others, the disciples. If I had to choose, I'd say it's the disciples. Though, not, though all men be offended of you and leave you, I'm not going to leave you. Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Ricky, son of Ricky, do you love me more than these? And the word that Jesus uses is agapio, which is an unconditional, divine, godly love. It's the same used for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Peter responds in verse 15. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He uses, he uses the word phileo. We get Philadelphia and philanthropy. It's a warm affection. It's a brotherly kindness. He says, yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, well, feed my lambs. And what he's telling him there, he's giving him a responsibility. He has a calling on his life. Very soon, Peter's going to be endowed with the Holy Spirit, empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to preach, and thousands are going to be saved. And you know what they're going to need? They're going to need to be loved. They're going to be, need to be fed the Word of God. They're going to need to be discipled and grow so that they can go and reach others. And he says, I need you to feed those who are young. And he asks him the second time. He says in verse 16, he says, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He doesn't mention the, the these this time. It's not a comparison. He just says, do you love me? Same divine, unconditional love. And Peter says, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Just a warm affection. What he's admitting there is he can't love God the way that God loves us. 
And he says unto him, feed my sheep. The word feed there means to shepherd, to pastor. Not his flock, but God's flock. Are you with me? Thank you, Miss Sarah. Feed my sheep. Shepherd those who I give you. And in verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And this time, this time he comes down, he uses phileo, and he and he you can use a strong concordance to look at this stuff. And and he he uses this word, and he and, and Peter, the Bible says that Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time. It wasn't that Peter was mad or upset at the Lord. The, the truth is, Peter knows who he is. And he knows his faults and his mistakes. And he's been living for days now about his public denial of who Jesus Christ is. And even knowing him. And he's living with that. And he's living with that guilt. And now he's grieved and he says, Lord... Thou knowest all things. That's a big admission for Peter. Thou knowest all things. I'm going to quit running my mouth, Lord. I'm not as smart as I think I am. I'm going to trust you. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Which means to feed, literally feed, the sheep. We close the last few verses there in verse 18. Jesus shares something very personal with him. He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and Walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. Peter's going to finish strong. And there's going to come a day where he too is going to be crucified. And the Lord said, you're going you're to glorify you're going to glorify God in your death. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. That's what he wants all of us to do. Amen? But Peter's like us, and he's like us. Because in verse 20, the Bible says, And Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, John. And John is close enough that he hears this conversation. Which all the one who also leaned on the breast at supper and saith, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? What about this man? You telling me how I'm going to die for you? Well, what about him? And the Lord responds in verse 22. Jesus saith to him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? What about him? Jesus says, that's my business. You mind your own business. And he reminds them again, you follow me. 
Now let me hit something right here. What is your motivation to love and follow the Lord? Because for a lot of us, we're dependent upon what somebody else does. We're depending on, well, what are they doing for God? It doesn't matter what they're doing, what are you doing? And the Lord's dealing with us about something. Yeah, but so-and-so does the same thing. Or so-and-so's not doing it. Well, let, let the Lord take care of them. He can take care of them, right? What are you doing with what God is revealing to you? Our motivation is not in other people. A lot of people have quit church over the years because of some pastor. Some pastor did something wrong or some pastor who left the church and went somewhere else because they were motivated by the pastor. What they do is between them and the Lord. What are you going to do with your relationship with the Lord? Some of you need to be forgiven. Some of you need to learn to forgive yourself. And Jesus doesn't want you to run away and hide. He says, come. Come unto me. Let's fellowship a little bit. Come have a seat. Ricky, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then will you do what I'm asking you to do? Yes, Lord. There comes a time in our life, and I'm done, where we realize how weak and broken we are. And that is not the time where we close our Bibles and walk away. That is the time where we draw near and say, God, Father, Savior. More than any time in my life, I realize I need you. And I love you because you first loved me. You loved me when I was unlovable. You loved me when I thought I was unforgivable. You have a need today. You have a need in your relationship with the Lord. You may need to ask him for strength in your weakness. You, need, you may need to ask him for forgiveness and draw back to him. I dare say some of you are not spiritual, as spiritual as you used to be. Something got in the way. 
Some of you may be here and you don't even know Jesus is your Savior. You're trying to do it all by yourself. Stop trying to do it by yourself. The God of the universe is saying, come. Come. And some of us are trying to succeed on our own. Now, what if God lets you succeed? Might pull you out of church, might pull your family out of church, pull your kids out of church. Some of us just need to realize that was the Lord. Was the Lord right there? Let's bow our heads.